Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, yeah three people. Awesome. <laughs> hey, uh, give it up for the band just real quick. I don't think we ever thank them enough for leading us in worship. Michael, thanks for doing that, bud. You've got a great team around you. And then that tag, whoo, I love throwing in on the end there, just allowing us to remember this time of the season. And so I don't know, uh, I know that some of you were at a, a Christmas parade last night. You had a bird's eye view of it from your apartment. That's awesome. But there's so many cool things that are coming uh, throughout these next few weeks. And I just pray that you don't miss Jesus in it all, right? I drove through a, uh, an apartment complex, huge apartment complex just on the backside of Alliance uh, where the movie theater is, that whole apartment complex last night, they were throwing uh, what I ha would say the largest shindig that I've ever seen in an, an apartment complex. They had like a, uh, two snow hills and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, what? And I really wanted to stop my car and just go and be a part of it. But you've got so many opportunities around us. One of those is tonight uh, at the Euless campus. We've got uh, carols and lights, and, and we'll light up a Christmas tree and all of that. But the cool thing about what we will do here each and every week is we are going to continue to allow you to know that God is with us, man. And that, to me, like, that's the greatest thing to remember during this Christmas season because it's so easy that uh, we get lost in shopping and we get lost in gifts at times. I just don't ever want us to forget why we celebrate this great time of the year. And so this morning uh, with scriptures, we start this new series. Um, it's God with us, and then today, from the beginning. And so I think a lot of times we, we forget, like we stay and hang out in the New Testament a lot, and we kind of track with Jesus and what uh, Jesus would do with his life and everything, and then we forget at times that, that he has been with us. God in his presence has been with us from the get-go. And so this morning, if you would love uh, to stand in, in honor of reading Scripture, if you're able to do that, if not, uh, just stand in your hearts with us. But we believe that God's Word is important enough that when we read it, uh, that we just stand in honor of it. But in the book of John, uh, John chapter 1, some of you, you, maybe you brought your phones with you. If you go to the version, uh, the Bible app, um, I have to go through all of my stuff, but you see it up there. Uh, if you'll go to the bottom of that main uh, page there and hit more and then events, uh, we'll be the first one inside of events. And I promise you, Michael always puts way more of my notes on there than he's able to put on slides. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, great, uh, great picture of God with us. You ready? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, here's the great news, has not I say it again, the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray together. God, as we jump into this series, man, everything that we do from this stage, God, it should be about you, about your son, about the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. And so today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide my words, that you would guide uh, all of us in here, our minds, as we listen, as we take it in. 
and we figure out what do we do with the book of John? What do we do with Genesis? What do we do with that in our daily lives so that those who live their lives in disregard of you, that you might give us a kingdom conversation that we might be able to tell them about God with us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the great sacrifice that you paid for us. Thank you for dying for us. More than that, thank you for coming back to life like you said you would and giving us power by which we get to overcome life's greatest, most difficult circumstances. We can do that because, God, we know that you're with us. Jesus, we trust you. Holy Spirit, guide us. Can't wait to see what you would do as we finish up this today, our time of worship. Be with it. It's in your name that we pray it all, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a seat. I don't know about you, but I remember one time in my life, my dad worked for Sears and Roebuck. He was a truck driver for Sears and Roebuck. And so uh, a lot of times around Christmas time, we would go, there was a big Sears and Roebuck store downtown in Dallas. And so we would go, and I remember walking in there and just seeing how festive it was in there, but I also remembered always trying to sneak away from my parents. I would try to keep an eye shot of where they were at, but I remember on this one day, I had ventured off, and then I was completely lost. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that position as a kiddo growing up, but when I couldn't hear my parents' voice, and when I couldn't see where I thought that I just left them, Man, that fear came over me. And I think for a lot of us as believers, like when we don't see God at work and when we don't feel him in his presence, a lot of times I think we get to that place where like me as a little kid, you're sitting there going, man, I am completely lost. I don't know where to go next. And I remember when my parents began the all points bulletin to find me, I remember hearing my name over the speaker in Sears, Kent Wells, Kent Wells, if you are here, please come to the candy. For, I knew where the candy was, and in Sears they used to have a candy section, you could go and you could get those maple nut goodies, I don't know if anybody can, can I get an amen on some maple nut goodies, those things are so good, it's hard to find them now, and if you get them at the dollar store, they're horrible, <laughs> I don't know why they're horrible, don't buy them there, okay, but maple nut goodies, and so you could always smell them when I was a kid, I, so I knew right where to go, so when that voice came over and said, Come to the candy. I guess my parents were able to tell him he'll know where the candy section is. So I found them there. And in that moment, there was a reunion that ended with my bottom getting hit from my parents because of, you should have stayed with us. You know how parents get, like they want to teach you, but they want to love you. Yeah. Um, so in that whole moment, it was just this beautiful thing. But, but there was that moment in time where I was not with my parents anymore. My hope and my prayer is, is that you never come to that place where you stop hearing the voice of God and you stop seeing God work in your life. I hope you never get to that place. But when you do, I believe this. I believe that church on any given Sunday, a Bible teaching, Jesus believing church will always be able to get you, should always be able to get you back 
with people who you can worship with. And that's what uh, hopefully we will always be able to do here at Cross City North, that we will be a, a filling station for some. There's some, we have, I call them creasters. Uh, they come at Christmas and Easter. We'll get some of those people at Christmas, and then we'll see maybe some of them again at Easter. And that's okay. Hey, we're just glad you're here. Um, but I believe this, you will fall in love with the Lord more often if you will spend time with him not just at church on Christmas and Easter, but if you would make that a daily, uh, a daily opportunity, you'll sense him more with you. That word with, it's a preposition for those of you who have been out of the English class for a while. I had to look it up too. It's all good. Uh, it's used before a noun or a pronoun to express relationship. So when I married Brooke, I chose on that day, July 26, 1997, to be with her and made a vow to be with her, for her, together, forever. And I think that's the biggest reason that most people find themselves in a divorce situation is that they forget that you said before God and all of your friends and family to be with. And that's the beautiful thing that God said with Jesus is that from this point forever, you now have a Savior who is with you. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. And so this morning... If you look at it, accompanied by, I don't know about you, but I want to be accompanied by God everywhere I go. There's been some crazy places that I've gone on mission trip, talked about some of those. I wanted desperately to be accompanied by God. Every one of us want to be accompanied by God. We want to be with him in some relation. When you say that you're with somebody, teenagers, maybe you are uh, with someone. I don't know if that means you're in a dating relationship or you're just texting them or just on Instagram with them. But uh, a lot of times back in the day, we would go out with someone. That was dating. When you actually got in a car uh, and that was the beginning of a relationship was maybe in a date, not just in texting. But uh, to be in a relation uh, or association with Here's some other synonyms, alongside, amidst, among, beside, for. And aren't you glad to know when you leave here today that God is fighting for you? Here's the beautiful thing is, man, you are not, you're not fighting uh, for a victory in your life. I want you to know as believers, you are fighting from a victory See, I think a lot of times we walk around and we're looking for the victory. We're looking for the win. You already have it. You're fighting from it. His name is Jesus. And so everything that comes your way, you're already fighting from the victory. You have Jesus Christ in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit guiding you. He's with you every step of the way. He's the one. It's not let your conscience be your guide. It is let the, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you be your guide. And so you're fighting from a victory. You're not looking for a victory. But it also means near, upon, or hovering. So man, when you begin to look at the presence of God, you, be see, you begin to see God with us. Man, not just in a, a biblical, I'm going to read the Bible, but as you begin to see him at work in your life, some of you, maybe this week, it was hard to see God at work because of this or this or this. That makes it even more important for you to spend time with him. It makes it even more important so that when you don't see him and when you don't uh, hear him, that you would have spent time with him prior to getting into the situation that you're in. And he would have already given you the arsenal that you would need to go into battle, to go into those tough conversations. But this whole series is designed to trace the presence of God from the beginning of time 
till now. We've got like three or four weeks to do it. I think we can do it. You ready? Uh, this isn't just the eternal quality of God. It's not just uh, this, this whole him in all places, in all times. He's everywhere. It's not just that kind of look at his omnipresence. Man, this is a little bit more detailed in that this series is looking at his active presence in your life. Man, do you not want God to be actively and present in your life? I don't, know, I don't know any believer who doesn't want that. Now, it's another thing to take those steps to having it. It's another thing to show up here on a Sunday morning and to, to worship and to spend that time and to really focus, man, does, does, my, does my heart's affection, does my mind's attention, does it really believe those words that are on the screen? Because if God is actively present in my life, does God believe that I believe what's on that screen? Does God believe that I truly believe and am 100% in agreement with all of the words that I just sang? Is there integrity to your worship? Man, God is actively present in our lives. This series is going to look at that active presence. But sometimes we have this feel of God like we have a feel of our earthly dad and his presence in our life. And for some, maybe when I begin to push that button or the Holy Spirit begins to push that button, then, then you begin to look at God in a different way. And so I, I don't want you to, to completely look at God the same way, but I, I think I can look at God and, and, and see some of the similarities of how I saw Harold Wells growing up. And he wasn't always the one who uh, demanded my attention all the time. He wasn't always overly affectionate or whatever. But man, I always knew when my dad was there. And he always came to me. He always talked to me. He would always hug me. He would always, as much as, and as often as he possibly could, man, he would talk to me about what was going on in my life. Man, he wanted to be active. For some of you, you had a dad and he sat in a, a, a chair and, and, and the only thing you heard was get the remote or go get me a whatever out of the fridge. I don't know about your neck of the woods. I don't know about your address growing up. But here's what I do know is that so often we put the, the, the look and feel of our earthly father onto God. And God is meant for so much more than that. Man, he, he's, he is better than my earthly father. And my dad was great. I wish all of you could have met my dad. He was phenomenal. But as good as Harold Wells was, God is so much better as our heavenly father. Some of you, maybe you had a present and active dad in your life, or maybe you had this aloof and just kind of showed up when he wanted to show up and you never knew how he was gonna show up. Maybe you had a caring and interactive dad. I feel like every time I had something, Although my dad was a truck driver, I feel like if I had something going on, somehow, I knew he was in Alabama, or I knew he was in Louisiana, I knew he was somewhere, but somehow, that man always made it to whatever I was involved and engaged with. He was caring, he was interactive, but maybe you grew up with a dad who could care less. And so his presence in your life, you're just like, man, uh, that's probably the way God is towards me. Man, God could care less about me. I want to call you a liar today, in a loving way. Because God loves you. God wants the best for you. He's been in a radical pursuit of your life. He is not aloof. He is not a God who could care less. He's, a, he's not non-emotional. God is emotional. Man, if you read scripture, if you hang out, man, there is so much emotion that God gives us and he shares with us. Uh, man, there's joy, there's humor in God. Uh, you look around, you go to the mall, you watch people. I'm going to be a great old person. I figured that out the other day. I just, sitting in a restaurant, whatever, I just love watching people. 
It might get creepy at times. I don't care. When I get old, I'm not going to care who thinks I'm creepy, right? But I love to people watch. But when you people watch, there is no greater time than when you see it that God has a sense of humor. Not one of us looks like the other person sitting in this room. Not one of you look like me and some of you are like, praise God. It's funny because I have this little thing I was telling our 9 o'clock people, I hate this flyer um, because it has my pictures. I said, so when you give that or invite somebody, just put your hand over my face as you slip it, maybe even turn it over because this is the most important stuff right here, talking about upcoming stuff. I'm not a fond uh, of my picture. I'm not fond of all of this stuff, but I am fond of the God who made me. I'm fond of the humor that he had in placing every one of the freckles on my head. I'm fond of all of the names I got called because I have red hair growing up. I'm fond of all of those things. God has a sense of humor. God is awesome. He loves that. But my dad, as tough as a truck driver as he was, he still, and and, and that's what I want to be for my kids. I want my kids to look back over their childhood and to say that there were pieces about my dad that reminded me of my heavenly father. And I'm certain that there are plenty of things that I have done that have not pointed them to him. Because he is far greater, man. That is a lofty, lofty goal to try and to be that awesome for your kiddos. It's one that's almost impossible. But man, we should be breaking our necks trying to love our kids like God does. He loves us in his presence in our lives. I feel like it's Christmas time that, that, that we begin to hear those phrases of God is with us. Man, we hear the, the name Emmanuel, like we, we understand that that is the, the time that we celebrate Jesus coming onto the scene in form of baby, born of a virgin, like God is with us. And from that moment in that tiny little town of Bethlehem, like the, all of history begins to pivot on that moment and everything that we're going to talk about, his presence, the God's presence here actively with us. We hear that, man, we, we celebrate it so much during this time, and so I just want us during this just to focus on God's presence. Number one this morning, beautiful thing about him, God, he is present at creation. He is not somewhere creating all of this from a distance. He is involved, he is engaged, he is enthralled in his creation. He really, really is. Are we not most engaged in the things that we love and care about the most? Growing up, anybody Lego people? I know the Eccles are. I saw their collection. Uh, I loved, loved, loved Legos. My mom hated them. She hated them so much that she would not allow us to build Legos at our house. We had to go to our grandmother's house. And I'm like, you don't want to step on them. You think it's better if Nana steps on them? That is so rude of you. But, but we always had to go to Nana and Pops. That's where our collection was. But we spent the greatest of time creating all of those things block by little bitty block. One of these days and times, I want you to see Cody's uh, Lego thing that he's been working on. I'm stoked to see how that all finished out. But, but we care the most about the things that we care the most about, the things that take the greatest time. And for me, uh, I love it. Uh, I, right now, I know some of you are like, man, I, I don't know about kids playing volleyball on Sundays. Hey, it, it just happens. And it just so happens that today my daughter is playing right now. And part of me is like, I wonder if she's winning. I wonder if they're doing well. Why? Because we spend so much time caring about the things that we care the most about. 
And I care the most about my daughters. I care the most about my wife. I care the most about those. And the cool thing is, is that God cares the most about you. Why? Because he created you. And he created you to be in his presence and in a relationship with him. And when you're not in fellowship and in relationship with him, guess what? He misses you. He misses being in your presence. He misses spending that time with him. When you're not in church, hey, we miss you when you're not here, but God misses this corporate time together. He tells us in scripture, hey, don't don't miss out on this. This is one of those great times where we get to corporately feel the presence of God in our lives. And so, all three of my girls, man, they are, they are uh, volleyball to the nth degree. Brooke, we got to go and watch SFA play Friday night. She uh, graduated from SFA. She was a D1 athlete that played for Stephen F. Austin, and so they made it to the big show, and then we get to drive down to Waco on Friday night. Family, Carly, was what she wanted to do for her birthday. So we drove down there only to watch SFA get creamed by USC. It's all good, but they made it to the big show, and it was so much fun. But inside of all of this, we have coached these girls, Brooke, way more than me. We have loved them. We have tried to lead God and direct them at times. You know, moms, y'all play the Holy Spirit more so than the Holy Spirit does at times in their lives, right? But we have done all of that stuff. Why? Because we want them to know and to love God, and we want them to be set up for success, and we want them to want to be in our presence as well. God has done all of the things that he has done for you in your life, and he's given you Jesus. Why? So that you would spend a relationship with him. It takes time. It really, really does. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We begin to see this care as far as from the very beginning in his creation. Look in Genesis 1, very first of the Bible, Genesis 1 and chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wouldn't you have loved to see all of that forming? Like when I go skiing, I sit uh, in Colorado, I get on a ski lift. It's been forever since I've done that. But when I get on that lift and I go to the top of the mountain and I'm able to look back over all of that in Colorado, it's, it's like you can go skiing in New Mexico and you can go skiing West Virginia or whatever, nothing is like Colorado skiing. But when you look back over all of that and just to know that God created all of that, look in verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God, the spirit of who? God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So he said, hey, man, if if we're going to continue down this path, man, his goal is you and I in creation. So he had to separate darkness from light. God initiated all of it. He orchestrated this whole thing in preparation for us. He moves in this. He speaks creation into existence. And then it all starts the process of you on the globe. It really is. The gospel narrative is all about God. It's not necessarily about us. We get a very small little piece of what God wants to do in this life. And so, man, when we live in his presence, we get way many more, uh, way more opportunities to be able to do what he's called us to do when we're living in his presence. Here's a great quote uh, if you want to write it down. God is not detached from this world. He's just the opposite. He's so attached that he would move the obstacles of hell and death out of the way for you to stand in awe of just how attached he is through Jesus. 
That's how attached he was, is that he saw how important it was for you to be able to go to heaven someday and to spend all eternity in what he has created for you. That's how attached he is. And so the reason that you're here today is he's in a radical pursuit of your life. He woke you up this morning. Now, he may have used somebody else to nudge you and to kick you out of bed, but he got you here because he's in a radical pursuit of your life. Number two, he isn't just present in creation, but he's present in the garden. The garden is where his greatest work was done and where his greatest work was lost. And some of you, when I, when I read this scripture here in just a minute, like it should be just... Um, and it should feel like a sucker punch. It really should. In being able to see what God created and that we miss that. We missed it by one mistake. We were talking to uh, one of our kiddos so as not to name them or point a finger at either one. And we were talking to one of our girls the other night and just talking. We are all one decision away from wrecking our lives. Husbands, we are one decision away Wives, we are one decision away. Adam and Eve were one decision away. And so uh, this isn't just a, a green thumb kind of gardening. Anybody green thumb people? Anybody? Nobody? Wow. I was looking for some help with my yard. Never mind, I'll go elsewhere. <laughs> uh, but this, this right here, this is an in our image kind of garden. This is where life began, chapter two details uh, the creation of mankind. It talks about Adam and Eve and how they were created. And so God shows us in this that he is so relational. One, he creates man and woman in his image. Why? To be in a relationship with him. This is the perfection of creation. Maybe you were uh, a younger gentleman and then when you laid your eyes on your wife before she was your wife, then you thought, man, I must be in the garden because there's perfection. Here's the deal. This was perfection. As great as it ever has been for you here, it does not compare to this. Sadly, it only lasts about a chapter. Look in chapter three. Dun, dun, dun. Joy and delight turns to sin and despair. They took their eyes and they took their ears off of the creator and they put it on what? Creation. Man, you see that a lot around us today and people are talking about spirit this and spirit animals and blah, blah, blah. And all. Man, people so much in our society today, they have taken their eyes and their ears off of Jesus, off of scripture, and they're putting it on anything and everything else. And it's crazy. The serpent in verse 5 of chapter 3, drives a wedge between man and God forever. Look what it says in verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In verse 6, they ate it. And they fell for the lie. They fell for what uh, they wanted to do in that moment instead of what God had said not to do. They ate it. And then here we are today, we're still eating it. And we're still sinning. We're still messing up. Man, I, I've had throughout all of these years a whole lot of students and a whole lot of uh, adults come to me and say, man, why do bad things happen to good people? And if we look at Scripture, then we know really and truly we're not good people. But if you really want to sum it up, you really want to take somebody on a theological ride for their life, take them back to Genesis. And that's where I wind up going almost every time. Why do bad things happen to good people? Genesis. Garden. Sin entered into that world, and in that moment, man, pain in childbirth, sin entered the world, 
and it entered so heavily. In that moment, God's wrath became known to people. In that moment, the thing that he said don't do, and Adam and Eve did, sin is the culprit. And sin is still what messes us up in our relationship. It robs us of our presence with God all of the time. Look in verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? Man, all that was beautiful and perfect and right was lost in that moment, in that one decision. And some of you are like, man, I hate Adam and Eve. If you were Adam, dudes... Ladies, if you were Eve, we'd still be in the same boat. We all have that bent towards doing what's wrong instead of what's right. Have you ever lost something so great that you still feel the weight of losing it to this day? Maybe you lost a wedding ring. Maybe you lost a loved one. None so great is the weight of what we lost in that one decision. Like all of perfection, everything that could have been, should have been, everything that God had created in that moment, it was lost. In that moment, everything changed. In that moment, perfection became corruption. And it has only gotten more corrupt throughout all of these years. John uh, was telling us in our teaching time, John our, uh, met her, our pastor, was telling us of this lady. And she was having a conversation with him. She said, uh, she said, Pastor, I sinned against the Lord greatly when I was 19 years old. She said, I'm 56 years old. And I've never felt the presence of God since being 19. Her greatest question was, am I lost? You see, in that moment, everything that God had made for us, in the way that he had made it for us, in that moment it was lost. For this lady, in that moment of sin, she felt as if everything was lost that she had that was going for her. It may be that you're here today and you're feeling that same loss as you're feeling like, hey, how in the world can I get out from underneath the weight of all of this sin? There is great news. Number three, because he is present in creation and because of his presence in the garden, even when things went bad for Adam and Eve, here's the good news. He's also present in the sacrifice. He is also present. Turn to Exodus chapter 40, and we'll run through this really quick. Beautiful picture of, of, of what God does inside of with the people of Israel. It's just a foreshadowing of what's to come. But then in Exodus 40 and verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the clouds settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the over the tabernacle, the people of Israel, they would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. One of the questions that I would be asked a lot from teenagers is why this whole uh, tabernacle, why this whole sacrificial system? The short answer of it is because there was an issue with sin. It's because we still miss the mark. We still sin. We still mess up. 
But I, I wanted to give you guys a practical way to go and to look it up. And, and if you go to gotquestions.org, it's just a really, and I put it in the notes, I believe. Michael put it in the notes that are in the Bible app. But it just gives you a quick, concise way to look at why sacrifices, why the tabernacle. Here's just a few of them. A sacrifice is defined as the offering up of something precious for a cause or a reason. Making atonement is satisfying someone or something for an offense that is committed. So anytime in those days when there was a sin that was committed, there was a sacrifice that had to be taken as well. The Israelites did not know of Jesus per se or how he would die on their behalf and then rise again, but they did believe God would be sending them a savior. It's Jesus Christ. All of the blood sacrifices seen through the Old Testament were foreshadowing to the true once and for all time sacrifice to come so that the Israelites would never forget that without the blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and some of you, maybe you get weirded out when you sing songs talking about the shed blood, and maybe some of you are even more weirded out when we take uh, communion and we take the, the cup, and that cup, it is really and truly a representation of the blood of Jesus that covered all of our sin. Why? Because he was the sacrifice. He was the ultimate and the final sacrifice. If you're walking into churches on any given Sunday and they are sacrificing on their altar, I would leave. There's only one sacrifice. It's already been done. It's Jesus Christ. He paid the ultimate price. And so the whole of the Old Testament, every book, everything about it points to the greatest sacrifice that was to come, Jesus Christ. That's why that is the Old Testament. Jesus makes it all new in the New Testament. It's his blood. It's his sacrifice. He paid the debt. Number four, fast forward it to today. In this moment right here, you are the why his presence matters. What you do with him from this point on it matters. How you spend time with him, how you help others in your time, it matters. You're God's creation. He deeply cares for you. We talked about that earlier. The Bible says that he knows every hair that is on your head. He knows exactly how many fell out in the shower today, guys. He knows everything about you, and he loves you still. He loves you still. You weren't present in the garden, but what happened in the garden, what happened in the garden affects us just as much today as it did them then. So Jesus, he matters just as much today as when he died. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I'm done. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that we, be, we could become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did for you. That's one of the greatest verses. Like if you're talking to people and they're trying to figure out why Jesus, here it is. For our sake, for us to be able to spend presence with him, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become all of our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody asked me this week, man, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? The righteousness of God. 
And those things that point people to Jesus, those things that put Jesus on a pedestal in your life, do those things. Do the good that other people need to see in someone who's a believer in Jesus so that they may then in turn do those same things. The tabernacle is a symbol of God's desire to be present with his people. The cross is the greatest symbol of God's love and his desire to save people. Jesus is the greatest sacrifice that God has ever given to us for the forgiveness of our sins, I don't know how we could sit there and truly read scripture and not understand that God desires to be with us and us to be with him. With heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish out this this great opportunity that we have together, his presence in our lives, it matters. What you do with him from this point on it matters. And so maybe you showed up today and you didn't know exactly where we were going with the message and everything, but do you feel his presence in your life? Like, can you honestly say, man, God is actively and present in my life? If not, and let's talk before you leave today. I mean, to my right and to your left, Cher is over there. We'll have somebody else over there as well. But if you're here today and you would say, man, today is that day where I'm going to trust Jesus Christ with my life. That's where it all begins. When you understand you had a problem with sin and you understand Jesus is exactly who God sent to fix it, that's when it all changes. For those of us who are here today and we are believers and we love being in the presence of God, we love these times of worship, we love spending time with him on the daily. Today, in this moment, we would say to you, let Jesus change it. Let Jesus do what needs to do in your life so that you can begin to spend presence with him. No more sacrifice, just Jesus. He's already done it. Having Jesus in your life, it brings joy. It brings an excitement and an awareness. It brings discernment and knowing what to do. You get the Holy Spirit in that moment where you come to know the Lord. The Holy Spirit then is inside of you, helps direct you, helps to guide you, helps answer those life's toughest questions. He understands you. He knows you. And he's ready to save you. If you're here today and you would say, man, Ken, I have never come to that place where I've trusted Jesus Christ with my life. If you're here today and you would say that, I want you to know it changes everything. But if you're here and you would say, man, I'm ready for that. It's just me looking at you right now. It's you, me, and God. As your campus pastor, I would love nothing more than for you to be able to live in the presence of God. For you to be able to understand Jesus paid it all for you. If you're here and you would say, man, I've never done that. I know I need to. Will you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up? I'm the only one. I can, I can look around right now. I'm the only one looking around. Anybody in the room? Here's the deal, I'm gonna ask this every Sunday because I care deeply about people knowing Jesus. I don't see any hands that are up right now. And as I said last week, man, then let's focus on these chairs. If we're all believers in the house today, if we're all loving and basking and, and living in the presence of God, then I'm asking you to look at one of these chairs that are empty around you and say, okay, hey, who of my friends that are lost? Who are my friends that don't understand what happened in the garden? Who are my friends that don't understand Jesus? Who are my friends that need to be in the presence of God? Man, I need to invite them to come and be a part of this. 
Whatever it is that God is asking you to do today in his presence, ask him to help you do all of those things tomorrow. Let's pray together. God, today I pray that you would be so present in all of our lives that when we walk out of here today, there is not a, a lull in our lives, that there is not a, a, a time where we feel like you're not with us anymore. I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would prepare our hearts and our time with you so that we could be you with skin on to the watching world who needs more of you in their lives. Help us to be the light that we talked about in John. Help us to be the light that, that God designed us to be. Help us to be all of those things so that people would see something different about us this week and get them to come here next week. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray it all. Amen.